Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. And uh, of course, there are many, there are many types of impacts that the world will experience when you have a situation like this. We've seen it, the fallout from Russia and Ukraine. But what is the economic fallout? What does this mean uh, in terms of the current war in Israel? We are joined this morning by Dr. Eli Retig. He's the assistant professor in the Department of Political Studies at Barilan University. We wanted to understand the impact of the oil price potentially and in terms of this war as well as cost of living fallout from that. Dr. Ilaretic, a very good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Good morning. I'm okay. Thank you. So the the uh, of course there's many different types of impacts, and it seems to be you know in some ways after we speak to commanders of the the southern area and we hear some of the terrible things that have happened, uh, the oil price seems a little irrelevant, but it actually isn't because we do have significant fallout in all sorts of areas, humanitarian, social, um, geopolitical, as well as economic. What is, has been so far the impact of this, uh, this war? So I, I agree with you. You really can't divorce oil from events in the Middle East. Uh, even if there's a limited conflict between Israel and Gaza and there's no oil fields in the area, the potential impact for the transit of oil is always significant and always the prices go up every time there's concern of instability uh, somewhere in the Middle East. Having said that, um, the, the current conflict is not the main cause for why oil prices are rising. Uh, the oil prices have been rising for the past few weeks, uh, even before the, the conflict. A lot of it has to do with the fact that the Saudis and the Russians are uh, limiting, limiting production because they want the oil prices to go up. Uh, the Saudis are concerned that China is entering an economic recession, so they don't want um, uh, demand for oil to go down. The Russians want the oil prices to go up to kind of um, uh, make Europe suffer, suffer for its uh, support of Ukraine. And so th those are the main reasons why the oil prices are up. But the conflict between Israel and Hamas is keeping them up because of the concern that perhaps the conflict will expand. Perhaps Iran will take part in the conflict and block the Straits of Hormuz. But these are mainly speculations. So far, there isn't anything real in the market that is causing uh, the supply of oil to go down other than the Saudis and the Russians that are, that are cutting production. The short conflict that we saw with the Houthis shooting uh, across, whether it was at Israel or whether it was the American fleet, and then we're hearing um, unconfirmed and then partially confirmed reports about attacks on the U.S., is that more likely to impact the oil price than the regional dispute uh, around Gaza? Yes, much more. So those are the main concerns, whether Iran or the Houthis, as an Iran proxy in Yemen, uh, will start intervening or kind of heating up the area. Because um, the Straits of Hormuz and the Bab el-Mandeb are two very important maritime straits, um, that if they're blocked, um, then, then a third of the shipment of oil in the world uh, can't move. Now, Iran, you know, when Iran threatens to block the Straits of Hormuz, in Israel, we call it a Tuesday because they threaten <laughs> to do it every week. They threaten to do it every period. It, it's not to say that they won't do it, right, but, um, right. 
Right. But they, but they tend to threaten that a lot. Um, it's it's a little less concerning because when they block the streets of Hormuz, they're also blocking their own ability to sell oil because their tankers are going through those right. streets as well. It's like uh, and they desperately like need someone, and they desperately need the income. They desperately need the income. You know, it's it's like uh, someone robbing a bank and then the police officers surround the bank and and he threatens that if they come into the bank, he will shoot himself in the head. So it's kind of like. Um, it's it, it's not to say that Iran won't do it at any cost, but it's going to be an end all measures. Having said that, the Babel Mandeb is a different story. The Babel Mandeb is the, what connects um, uh, to uh, the Red Sea and to Egypt. That is something that the Iranians can kind of more credibly mm. threaten to disrupt through the Houthis because their tankers don't go through it. Only Saudi and Emirati tankers go through that. And, and that's a little more concerning, and that's where the Houthi attack... I, I can't say whether the Houthi missiles were directed towards Israel or a U.S. Navy ship. We don't know that. But mm. uh, that's a bigger cause of concern than Iran threatening to close the Straits of Hormuz. How does the, a Middle East conflict differ today than it did, let's say, in the 70s and 80s, where where you really did have... A, seem to have, and maybe my my memory or my reading of of this is incorrect, but uh, they, you definitely seem to have had a bigger impact than today. Take me through that. So yes, it's a much different market than it was in the seventies. In the seventies, most of the oil was uh, concentrated in in much fewer states, na- nationally owned. Most of it, uh, OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries was in control of 65% of oil production. Today, they're in control of less than 40%. Back in the 70s, the main ally of the U.S. was Iran, and the Mm -hmm. main rival, Mm -hmm. the one that caused the embargo, was Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Now it's the other way around. Iran is the one that's threatening to cause disruptions, and Saudi Arabia is the one that keeps the oil flowing. And out of the two, Saudi Arabia is a much more important oil exporter than Iran. Um, and other than that, it's just a much more complex, um, a dynamic oil market than it was in the 70s. We have uh, spot markets. You have a lot more oil producers and exporters than you used to have back in the 70s. So I, I don't fear another uh, another event like we had in the 70s. Um, and if there is a disruption, it will be temporary, but it, it might still hurt. So there is a concern about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely uh, it, it, and and the the amount of time that it goes on does that impact or is it really just about who's involved? It's uh, it, it's hard to you know if if I knew where oil prices are are gonna head, uh, I'd be a very rich person. <laughs> and um, any time there's a conflict, um, at the beginning there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of speculation. Oil prices go up. And when you see that the war is, is more or less managed, then oil prices start to go down. When you see that there's no kind of mar, there's no kind of actual structural change to the market. So, uh, if if the conflict continues but remains constrained, then oil prices will go back down. We will see the major, the, the, you know, the the next evolution of this conflict will be the Israeli ground invasion mm. uh, into mm. Gaza and. And and then the question is whether Hezbollah will uh, in the north, Lebanon will intervene, and then and then that's the concern. But um, I assume when the ground invasion starts, uh, oil prices will maybe tick up again for a, for a little bit uh, to see kind of how it evolves. And of course, uh, what's interesting about that to me is, and again, whether the reports are 
credible or not, it seems to be that the one report I've, I've, I've read is that uh, Hamas are running out of fuel. Another is that they have a stockpile of, uh, I don't know how many, uh, a million liters or something, uh, whether liters or gallons, I've got no idea. And then the other one was that the, that the negotiations for the 50 hostages fell apart because Israel wouldn't allow fuel uh, to Hamas. So again, fuel playing seems to be playing quite an important uh, role in the trajectory that this is taking. Right. So uh, both reports are true. Gaza is running out of diesel fuel, and Hamas is not running out of diesel fuel ah. uh, because they basically. Uh, so m- most of the electricity in Gaza is generated with diesel fuel generators from a power plant and from private diesel generators. And Hamas headquarters, uh, the Hamas underground bunkers, all have these small-scale diesel uh, generators. And so they stockpiled a lot of diesel ahead of the operation. They completely depleted all of the fuel from the power plant in Gaza uh, for their own bases. So Gaza is running out of diesel, and the hospitals are running out of diesel, but, but Hamas is not because it stole all of the diesel. And so the biggest concern is that Israel needs to allow diesel trucks to come into Gaza to replenish, at least to replenish the the diesel generators in the hospitals. But there is a lot of fear that Hamas will just steal the Take trucks. Take it anyway. Wow, uh, wow, wow. Absolutely fascinating. I do need to leave it there. Dr. Eli Rettig, he's assistant professor in the Department of Political Studies at Barilan University, giving us some very, very interesting insight into the situation.